Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I see you bobbing along to that. Dan, how much better? I don't want to keep banging on about but how much better is that new intro music you debuted this week? Uh, hello, good evening. So good. I'm, I'm literally doing the out two-step shuffle under the table. That's so good. I love it. Hello and good evening. Welcome, good morning, whatever time you're listening back or watching back to Online Darts, the Fallout Bar. Myself, Jack Bobby Garwood, once again joined with yet a different member of the team tonight. I'm not sure I've doubled up with anybody this week so far. It is Mr. Dan Simpson. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dan. How are we? Very well, thank you, mate. Very good. Excited about um, uh, and uh, the tournament is just starting to get into the into the interesting part. I will be. Heading to Blackpool myself tomorrow, so I will be at the match play. Um, yeah, really, really interesting night tonight. Good night of darts, some amazing darts, and some boring darts as well. Um, up and down night, I would say. Um, but good, yeah, happy to be along. I've done a few of the streams lately, but I think this is my first fallout bar for some time, so nice to be along with you, mate. Yeah, I think so. The last time we ran a follow-up bar was for the Premier League, and it felt like myself and Cam pretty much most weeks, but it's great to have you back. I'm a little bit gutted, actually, because I will be in Blackpool on Friday about two o'clock in the afternoon, but I suspect you'll be gone by then, and I'll be... Yeah. I've had a few I'm... cans on the way up as well. If I wasn't paying for the minibus, I'd have looked at the ways to get up there Thursday night and have that spare ticket off you. Uh, but instead, I'm going to have to travel Friday morning. Well, see, I'm um, putting an advert out now, Scott, so like... Folks in like in the chat room, people watching live. I'm going to the match play dance tomorrow, and sat next to me on the balcony is a spare seat. If you if you fancy a night out at the darts tomorrow, I am on Twitter at Dan Simpson 180. Feel free to drop me a message. There is an empty seat next to me tomorrow in Blackpool, and I will more than happily sit and talk darts with somebody and have a couple of pints. So feel free, if you fancy it, get in touch. Only a couple of pints, Dan. You, you disappoint me, man. Ah, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't want to talk, go too deep publicly. <laughs> you uh, don't want to put people off already. My, my plans for the evening tomorrow, yeah. But um, there, there might be more than a, more than a couple. Um, it could end up, you know, well, it could end up messy with tequilas and all sorts. And uh, late night after parties sourced by our friend Mr. Lee Boyce as well. You'd, you'd have to make a trip to this the trilogy is, indeed. This is it. <laughs> the after party is looking very, very exciting tomorrow. Yes. Right. Let's just say hello to a few people in the chat room. The chat room's busy already tonight. Uh, Liam t- made a bit of a joke earlier going early start tonight. Well, yeah, it was nearly midnight by the time we got underway yeah. yesterday. We saved ourselves about 20, 25 minutes. Uh, someone called Dan's in there. So the evening folks will be live shortly. Yeah, cheers for that, mate. You're doing my job. <laughs> uh, Dan Sison is in as well. Stephen is in. Uh, Marco, Rose, Adam Hinchcliffe is in watching from the USA. Uh, thanks for joining us, buddy. 
Uh, who else do we have in the chat room? Liam is in from the team. Colin is in saying hello to everybody, as is Craig. Uh, were you in the venue again tonight, Craig? How hot was it this evening? Luckily, the temperature seems to be dropping, but I had local league darts myself tonight, and I honestly think my venue was even warmer than the Winter Gardens. It was... Oh, that, that takes something at the minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, last night, I messaged Lee and goes, good luck with the heat tonight, buddy, thinking that everywhere was the same. And Blackpool had dropped to 23 degrees before play got underway last night. It was still nearly 40 where I live at that point. Wow. Overnight, when I finished recording last night at midnight, at half past midnight, it was 28 degrees in Nottingham still. I, I think now the match play brings the summer. I remember last year, when I, like last year being in Blackpool for the match play, and and phoning like phoning my wife and when I was there and just saying it's the hottest I've ever been in England like the hottest I've ever been I remember we, like we stood outside waiting to go inside and think I've never been this hot in England before ever that was last year obviously this year again we've had the heat wave it just seems that the match play brings the sun every year I'm pretty sure it rained the other year the one night I managed to get up there and you can guarantee the one week I actually finally make it to Blackpool. <laughs> four, five years now since I started on the hockey with Jar and, and Duffy. I went up for a night with them boys, went up for one night a couple of week, a couple of years later, and I've not been back up since. Um, I guarantee it's going to piss it down all week, the one week I managed to get up to Blackpool. So I apologise. In fact, I'm there this weekend for a stag do starting Friday, and I'm pretty sure the weather forecast for the three days is rain. Well, that'll be a pleasant drive over the A66 home for me then. Yes. Indeed for you. Robbie's in. Good to see you, buddy. Managed to catch us live. Yeah, shouldn't you be asleep? We've got a bus to drive in the morning. <laughs> um, Marco says, big day for Dutch, bad day for English. Last 16 had six English and three Dutch. Last eight got three Dutch and one English. Only Ashpenal. Jeez. Big, big night indeed. Big swing if you are a Dutch darts fan. Um, however, let's just dive straight in to the action then, Dan. And I'm going to be honest, I'm going to rely on you an awful lot tonight. If I've missed any key points, just shout them out because I have been playing darts myself tonight, but no one else was available to host the show. So I had a little bit of talk sport two on uh, throughout the evening as much as I could. Um, but then the rest of the team took over and wanted to play dance anthems and songs because of the heat while we were playing darts. So I think I lost out on that regard and I've missed an awful lot. I've seen the last seven or eight legs of the Smith Dirt game uh, from five three, I think it was. So I'd already missed up the interesting bit at that point. Yeah, I was going to say, you missed a good bit after that. <laughs> yeah. um, but at this point, we go back to the start of the night and an incredibly, what looks like a one-sided affair. This is one of the games I did manage to catch on TalkSport. Once again, the story of the match is Danny Noppert's superb finishing. The man just looks so comfortable up on a big stage, destroying Daryl Gurney, 11-4. It did. It, it got off to a, it got off to a quite a really exciting start so I was really up for it I was really up for this game um I, I had quite a lot of confidence in in, in both guys I, I, I've I've really sort of been on the up with Daryl Gurney just lately I just think he's looked quite good and I think he's, he's, he's and we know he's got the game uh, and I felt like he was just bringing something a little bit interesting this time but and when both came out first couple of legs they both looked great and I thought like we are in for an absolute slobber knocker on the match it's going to be amazing and then Gurney missed three darts to break in the third leg, and and after that he just like just just dropped. Um, I think I'm pretty sure. I think from memory, I think he did three. He missed three darts to break, and then when he didn't break, Noppert took five on the bounce straight after that. And it, and and it was just it was just too far after that. You know, it was just too far away. Um, and every time Gurney looked like he was going to start to get back into it, like Noppert just just did something. Like he did some incredible things during that, you know, during that game. The one three two was amazing on the ball. Like took one three two out on the ball. The blind one eighty um, again, amazing. No, to, and what the, and, and to be honest, that leg. So that leg was for, to go seven three up. He took a blind one eighty and followed it up by checking out on the ball. And and that at that point at seven three, I just thought like you know that you know it, all hope of a comeback is gone because you've allowed Danny Noppert to slip into this rhythm where he's finishing so well. There's such a huge distance, and Gurney just didn't didn't come near it. Um, by the time he got to ten three, he's checking out a ton again, 
um, for the 103. And it was just a very, very, like, top-notch performance, really, to be completely fair. Um, you know, Danny Nopper, over the course of the day, he averaged 102, but there was eight visits he had um, that were trebleless visits. And over the course of, of the course of a game that long is just like superb. He's just he never let Gurney get close. Um, you know, four ton plus finishes from Nopper, really, really good stuff. Uh, I have been a bit of a critic of him in the past. I think he's a bit up and down. I think he's, he he struggles with consistency. But when he's on, like he's on. And Daryl Gurney is you know he's, he's Daryl Gurney is two time semi semi finalist in, in in the Winter Gardens. He's done you know. He, he knows that venue and he's played well in that venue and, and he's had some big comebacks in that venue as well. But it was just never getting a look in today. He wasn't getting close to Noppy. He was indeed. Noppy for me is a player who finds his A game a lot more regularly than he was, say, two, three years ago. And his B game has improved at the same time. And that combination is making him so, so solid. And I guess that you don't really see him start to run away with matches or it's less and less memorable because he's not the most outgoing. He's not the most extrinsic. He doesn't let you know how he's feeling an awful lot. is a show of emotion we don't tend to see from Danny Noppert, but because he's not that extrinsic character that is, is bowled up on the stage and you see an awful lot from him, he tends to go under the radar an awful lot, but he is seriously, seriously quality at the minute. And and that's it. And, and and you hit the nail on the head there. And that and that it becomes more evident in in a match like tonight against somebody like Daryl Gurney, who is who's such a presence on on stage, and he's and he's a and he's a bigger presence on a big stage in a big venue. Um, and it, and I do think I think that game turned completely leg three like that that I, and I thought that game was going all the way tonight. Like my right before the game started, I thought we're going right the way through, and we could end up. You know, extra time, and, and we'll end up eleven all, twelve all, and 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 I do think the whole the whole trajectory of the game spun leg three, three missed break darts by Gurney, and he just Gurney just couldn't get back in, and and Knockout was so clinical that Gurney, at the level that Gurney would have had to reach even to be make those competitive to hold his throw, never mind to to make some breaks as well, he just couldn't quite hit that level. Yeah, he couldn't indeed. That clinicalness from Danny in the numbers as we look at it, 61% on the doubles, 11 from 18, including four ton-plus checkouts to add to his five maximums, 11 140s and 18 tons, adds up to 102.36 average for the freeze, who was absolutely superb as he moves in to the quarterfinal and goes in the hunt for his second PDC major title this year, how interesting would that be, knowing that the Premier League field will remain at just eight players heading into the January of 2023? I know I moaned last night when I mentioned the Premier League, but if Danny Noppert goes and goes goes and wins his second TV major of the year, it'd be incredibly difficult well, to leave him the, out. The list is getting, the list is going to, and I think we, we know the list is going to keep increasing of people who in that calendar year of 1A major and not made the Premier League, it's a very, very different discussion when someone's won two, isn't it? Very different. Very, very different. different indeed, especially when you've got players like Luke Humphreys picking up Euro tours here, there and everywhere. Joe Cullum won the Masters, but has already been in now, so he needs to back it up with the rest of the year. Nathan Aspinall mentioned the Premier League yesterday uh, in his post-match press conference. You've got your regulars, you've got your top four in the world that are guaranteed under whatever rules you've got. So Michael Smith, Van Gerwen, lots of work to be done. Uh, Price defending an awful lot of money, as is Peter Wright with a world. No, no. Well, Gezi's defending a yeah. A lot of money defending for him. A lot of money this year. That race for the top four, if you're not going to win a, a one of the big boys this year, is incredibly important now for the rest of the chasing field. Right, let's then hear from Danny Noppert himself in his post-match press conference. He uh, does a blind shot as well. And yeah, afterwards, I did it. But yeah, it's uh, one out of ten. It's, <laughs> it's in, but yeah. <laughs> of course, of course, you're dreaming, but I, I'm watching game by game and not dreaming about this title. 
but when I'm in the final, yeah, of course, then I'm dreaming. But not now at the moment. I'm uh, watching game by game. The professional response as ever from these guys. No, I'm not looking all the way ahead. I don't think I'm going to do it. Unless your name's Peter Wright, who just says he's going to win titles whenever he fancies it. Uh, going game on game. Um, any comments from this match that we've missed? Jamie says Noffat reaches the final, I think. Uh, Danny apologised for not speaking great English from Sky. I shouldn't worry, to be honest. I think he finds it a little bit awkward to know what to say sometimes. I had the pleasure of interviewing him in uh, Amsterdam for the World Series, and it wasn't the most comfortable interview uh, I or he have ever conducted, especially as he'd just done five or six in, in Dutch. He was much, much better at that. So look, when it's second language, you're always going to give the guys the, the necessary... He's far better in English than I am in Dutch, so I'll just forgive, I'll forgive him every time on that. Massively. As, as was Jose de Souza. Jose de Souza, I think his English is getting much, much better. It's getting well. far. I noticed, you know, I noticed tonight the difference in, in 12 months between, mm -hmm. and I know he spent a lot of time over here, but the difference in 12 months between the way he's able to come across his interview, de Souza, is yeah. vast. And I just think that will only be a good thing in terms of the way he's viewed by viewers on the television, you know, the casual viewer that's watching on Sky, the connection he can make with people. Like, you know, we know he's a bit of a character and he's a good lad. Um, the more that he, he becomes much more fluid with his English, that's just going to kick on, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I'll, I'll speak about Jose, even though uh, we'll speak about him in a minute. In, in terms of that interview, because he's not been in the limelight as much for the last couple of years or for the last year or so, the improvement he's made since the last time we really heard him sit down and have an interview to now is, is vast. Whereas if he's winning tournaments left, right, and center, and you're only seeing the gradual improvements. When you see that big yeah. jump, I suppose that's when you notice it that little bit more. But like you said, yeah, definitely. it's brilliant that these guys are taking it on board. It does make them more attractive for sponsors and commercial opportunities and, and whatever else. So, yeah, superb from those guys. Um, speaking of Jose de Salza, it's like we planned that. Um, <laughs> he beats Rob Cross 11-8 as both players average 103. Rob Cross actually finishing with the higher average in this one and the better double percentage, but it is the Portuguese man of scores that gets over the line 11-8. Um, this is one that I haven't seen an awful lot about, Dan, so I'm going to lean on you, but it looks like an absolute belter. It It, it, it is, and it was. And and exactly like you talk about, the, the, the numbers there, like the maths doesn't make sense almost, you know, like because because you'll, you'll generally find in a game of darts that, you know, somebody will... will, will Hit the other on the scoring, but the other one will have the doubles or someone, you know, and, and or vice versa. And it's really weird because if you just look at the statistics of that game, I mean, theory, Rob Cross wins everything. He's, he was the better player in that game. And the only way I could describe it in the way that I felt the game went is that yes, over the course of the game, Rob Cross has averaged higher and his and his doubles percentage is higher, but he's done that in peaks and troughs. In that he's done it uh, first of all, he's done a lot of it on his own leg. So, which, which isn't winning the match. So, he's done a lot of that. A lot of that high scoring came on his own leg, just the way things went. Um, and, and the same with his doubles. But he went through peaks and troughs. He, he had really good spells, and then spells where he completely switched off. And then he had, and the 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 bit where I think personally the game swung because because we were very very close to a level game. Um, the Sousa come out flying, absolutely flying. Cross started to pick things up, looked like he was going to level it. Um, Rob Cross threw, he was, he was, he threw a 10 dart leg for uh, for 6 4 to pull back to 6 4. And at that point, I mean, he, he was, he had six perfect darts, and, and, and you know, one of three occasions tonight where we, we had a decent chance at a nine. And, and he didn't quite, and he obviously didn't quite get it, but he, but he wrapped it up in 10. And and at that point, I you know at watching, I thought this is where it, this is where it swings, and this is this is where. And I you know I suppose there's a bit of humbleness for me at this point. I picked Rob Bob Cross to do a semi. Um, he, you know I I had a lot of confidence in Rob Cross this tournament to go quite deep and do quite well. Um, and I thought that the form that Jose had shown of late in the last. 12 months or so, um, it just seemed like one was was a bit stagnant and Rob Cross was on the up. 
But but Jose just seemed to it was just that consistency of scoring. Um the the amount of and I don't know the statistics in terms of where that sits in, you know against loads of other games, but the amount of times that he hit a max on his first visit was ridiculous. Like he wasn't he wasn't finding back to back one eighties, he wasn't throwing them in randomly, you know, two visits into a to a, a hold or, or when he was far behind on a trying to break cross. He was setting off on legs, relentlessly just pumping 180, 180, 180 on his set off. Just consistency is all it was. Rob Cross played very well, but he peaked and troughed and went up and down. Jose just held a level and was really good. Yeah, two things I've seen about this match on social media tonight. One, I guess, is the slow start from Rob Cross, because I saw one comment going on, maybe actually that comeback from Cross was a flash in the pan. He looks well off it, obviously from what we've just heard and spoken about, he did settle and, and get a lot better in the game. And the other one, I cannot remember who tweeted it, so I really do apologise for not giving you credit for this if you are listening. But I saw a stat attaining to Jose de Souza's opening visit, as you just alluded to. His average for his first three darts in every single leg for this match was 130.33. Which is completely absurd, isn't it? Like, that's... Yeah. it's. I don't know where that's under it immediately on their own throw if they're not going off turn 40 or better every single time. And there's just no, here you go, there's a chance on my throw here. I've just opened the door with a 60 or with an 85, go and bang in a big ton. There's just none of that. And when Rob Cross is chasing in the game, that's ridiculous. And that and that's how and that's how Rob Cross managed to post those numbers and not win. Because it because he was always up against it in every leg. Because he just he, he, and he was having to play at that level just to compete, and the consistency of, of, of Jose just 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 came through, and that's that's one of the things that like Jose's always been. He's, he's a he's a character of darts, isn't he? And and he turns it on, and he does outrageous things. I will never forget. He gave me one of my most fun darting memories ever. It was the first night that we were allowed back after the nonsense and COVID. And we got to the Premier League uh, in in Milton Keynes with loads of rules and everything else. And he took out 120 with three tops. And it was just like I was on the front row for it. And it was like I'll, ne- I'll never be able to thank that man enough for having been robbed of live darts for so long. The first night back he presented, he gives me that. But but he's always been so up and, and he is up and down. And he has moments of absolute brilliance. And then he has calamitous you know, miscounts and cock-ups and everything else. And, and it, was, it was good. It was very, it was great to see just a very, very consistent professional performance from Jose de Sousa. It was great. Yeah, a few in the chat room digging us out a little bit. Uh, not you, but uh, Phil Barr's really motivated Jose to perform. I've seen that comment a couple of times. Um, and there was another one about, it looks like Jose can play in front of a crowd then. Yeah, look, a lot of his success has been behind closed doors and he's not been the best since crowds returned, apart from that moment Dan just mentioned with tops, 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 which I guess look, when you're seeing somebody on Shanghai and they put the first dart in the treble, you get a little bit excited that it might go. But with that tops, 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 it's the, hang on a minute, where's that first dart gone? The realisation what he's about to attempt, then the second dart goes in and you're like, you crazy son of a gun. It's a very, honestly, in the room... And I said, I was very, I was very, very lucky. First night back after COVID, uh, I was literally on the front row. Very lucky to be able to, and and that, and honestly, it was a gift that Jose de Souza gave. I think there was a thousand people allowed in the venue that night. That was it, um, and it, and it was a very, it was a much needed gift that he presented Planet Darts that night, and I will, I will forever be thankful to him for it. Indeed, indeed. Right, let's hear from. Uh, the special one in his post-match press conference. Well, uh, I can't say that it's too early, but uh, yeah, uh, if I play that that way, maybe it's possible. Yeah, we have a chance to win the world match play. Not at all. No, uh, I came here first of all to to win the first round. Was my uh, my first reason in this um, world match play. Uh, Win the second round, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing because I don't expect that. Uh, actually, I, I'm a little bit surprised with my performance, but 
my work hard, uh, show to everybody I can make that performance and maybe something better. Still so humble, isn't he? Even all yeah. it reminds me a little bit of Mensor Sulevich. When Mensor went berserk in the Champions League, and you're like, Mensor, do you think you could win this again now? No, Mensor, no, no, you've no. gone back to about finals. How do you feel? I didn't win it, Mensor. You've just won it. No, <laughs> it just <laughs> Jose reminds me of that no matter what you tell him, no matter how great he's going to be playing, I don't think he's ever going to sit there and tell you, I'm going to win this. I'm no, like that. no, I'm and that is arguably why why he is such a likable, you know, such a likable character. Indeed, indeed. Right, let's move on to match number three. I'm from a very, very likable character to one that can sometimes be a bit questionable. <laughs> Gavin Price, the world well, number two. What, that reception tonight was frosty. just frosty to say the least. Like it, it was rough. Now, what you've got is you've got two elements: is that in a crowd like that. They, first of all, there is uh, let's boo Gezi Price because that's just what we do because we're a big darts crowd. But there is also, like, first of all, an Englishman playing a Welshman in England. You've also got the let's cheer for the underdog. So I just think, I think there was like three layers of, of why Gezi was getting it and Chizzy was getting all of the praise and all the positive stuff. And at different times in the matches, I don't think, to be completely honest, if I'm really honest, I don't think the crowd had much an effect on this game at all, on either player. Um, I just don't think that was it, which is rare in, in a, on a night like this in the match play when it's hot in Blackpool. But I don't think it did. I think it, it was, it was superb in moments this game. And they, they were just as a darts fan, things that get you excited. Will 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 first of all be Gezi Price taking out one six one in the opening leg, like that when you know to kick the match off, you know just as you're settling in, thinking oh this is what what's it going to be like here bang one six one all right okay it's going to be like that is it, and then like I didn't know and it is something that, like I, I you know you try and keep up with dart statistics and other bits and pieces I didn't know that going into this game tonight Dave Chisholm was the best holder of legs in the PDC of two accounts. Me neither. The only stat I know about this quarter of the draw was that in their last 50 games, Gerwin Price had won the least of anybody in this section with Dave Chisnell winning the most. Gerwin Price had won something like 26 of his last 50 games. He was only just above 50% coming into this event in his last 50. Uh, Chizzy was the standout from that, but look, I think that World Cup has just rejuvenated Gezi a little bit. It didn't kick fire, kick him into world number one and, and dominating territory, but it's just given him that little bit of a spark on the comeback that he's needed from his wrist injury, from managing his schedule to just launch into now being at the back end of these tournaments instead of the early upsets. He, he seemed to go through he seemed to go through stages to, to today. I mean, he, he, as I say, one six one to start off. You, you, you immediately think, well. You know, Gezi could go completely bonkers here and he could kick on from that. Um, but but he didn't. You know, Gezi got 2-1 ahead and Chisnell held and then broke and went into the first they went into the first break with Chisnell 3 2 up. And 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 it, so that one six one out where you thought Gezi could go like really kick on didn't didn't quite happen. And then he, for me watching it, it looked like Price was trying to sort of artificially get a Gerwin Price role going because he, I mean, uh, we were there a bit of crack in the WhatsApp group because he, he started sort of flexing and, and doing his sort of half set, but he wasn't, you could see his heart wasn't in it. Like he was doing double bicep flexes, but you could see it wasn't quite on his face. After on his second visit, he pinged double 10 to, to hold. And, and, it, and, and, but, you know, that seemed to turn into bigger and bigger and bigger moments where, like, he started to kick on. Um, now, again, another just key moments where the game swung, Chisholm missed 81 to go 7-3 up. And 7-3 and is really big when you can hold like Dave Chisholm can. And when you, certainly when you play the way that Chisholm was playing at that point up till 7-3. Um, and there's been a lot of mention of it. There has been a lot of mention of it in this tournament just by the commentators. The of a big score on the board, and that you know, once you get seven three, yes, it might only be a couple of breaks, and yet you know, and but 
it's you know it's in front of you constantly. You can see how far behind, and the pressure comes on. It's, it's a double break in either direction, isn't it? And if you won the bullseye, they need three breaks at that point. That's it, a massive, massive task when you when your man's only four legs away from winning the match. And and then it looked again. It, it the game swung. It, the game just kept swinging backwards and forwards. In that early part of the game, you know, Price broke to pull it back to six all, and then and then you know this is getting this is getting very interesting. Um, then, then he held, and then that one six four. Uh, so Gerwin Price hit the one six four pulled him up to eight six, and at that point I sort of thought, all right, yeah, we've gone. You know that that that's it now. That's that's the game's gone that way. And then and then bizarrely, the the Chisnell then no not bizarrely because he's a good player, but you know Chisnell hit a one four two, and then and then I'm thinking this is it's just escalating to an absurd level, but it it just was by the end. Gerwin Price went. So it's a bit of a cliche, but went through the gears. You know, Dave Chisnell started very well and played at a really good level through the game and just maintained it. Price, yes, he had that leg at the beginning that was outrageous, but Price didn't quite get into it as quickly as Chisnell did. He went to the first break behind, just seemed to go through the gears and, and by the end of the game was playing his A game properly. And 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 you know, Gerwin Price playing his A game, throwing at the level that he can, is a very very hard player to beat. And that was it. By the end, he'd just gone through the gears and 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 where we were. But we we had another um, very 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 close to nine data again. Um, we had another. But interestingly enough, so this was the second one, um, and this was the same as Rob Cross earlier today. Is we've had another player that's hit six 180s, then come back to the hockey and decided to not go for the 180, go for the treble 19 and missed, oh. and try that way around. And I, and I, me personally, I think there's a case for if you've hit six 180s, maybe go for the 180 because you're in a bit of a in a bit of a pattern. But they've both tried to work their way around the other way and they've slit and then they've had a go for the trouble 19. It's not worked. Second time tonight, that. It goes a little bit closer third time, but we'll talk about that one in a minute. Uh, let's hear from the Iceman Gerwin Price, or as John Part affectionately wants him to be now known, the Volcano, uh, in his post-match press conference. Yeah, 100%. I mean... If you don't doubt yourself when your back's against the wall, then you're not human. I think every every dart player does, every football player, every sports person. When when things ain't going to plan, you always doubt yourself. But yeah, I, I come back out fighting, and I'm not at my best yet, but I'll be back. I know my wife showed me that. He's, he's actually a bit skinnier than me, so no, it's not me. Who's the best look like ever? Honest, I I had to look twice myself. It's like I don't even play golf, but possibly I don't know. Yeah, it actually does look like both of us. <laughs> yeah, talking about the Gezi and Fallon lookalike at driving range of the week that ends terribly as well. Where on earth that clip has surfaced from, I do not know, but it, it looks a spit of both of those players. It's a little bit scary. A few more hellos in the chat room. G's Adventures in. He says, what performance by Noppy Gobby? Indeed, we'll talk about that very, very soon. Indeed, Barzi's in the background as well. He's just parked up saying hi, everyone, in the chat room. Can see him doing some jazz hands in our uh, software. Um, Tommy Tornado's in as well as is Nico. Uh, but let's move on and talk about our fourth game. Before we do so, quick reminder of a couple of things. Live League returned this morning, Champion of Champions Week. And it's back again tomorrow morning. But it'll be an evening session tomorrow night as well. So you'll have a choice. So you'll have to leave that alone for a couple of minutes to watch and listen to us for the fallout bar. Uh, and then jump back in to the live league. Um, and once we've spoken about this final game, we'll do predictions for the two quarterfinals tomorrow evening. So don't forget to get involved in the chat and we get your predictions in there as well. However, Dan, final match of the evening, the superb contest this one. But much like, I think, the story of a couple of the matches, uh, Danny Nopper, Daryl Gurney and Jose de Sousa, Rob Cross, that opening session was absolutely terrible for Mark Cliff. He was 20 points down on the averages, 85 to Dirk Van Dyver and Bode as 105, and he just left himself too much to do by the end of it. Yeah, too little, too late, and, and he got away with it against Gildin because he, he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a better dart player. 
and 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 he had enough time that once he hit close to his level of play, he he, he could he could win the games. Um, but there was moments it wasn't even just his own play today. It was I think that I, I do think there was a bit of psychology involved as well because there was just some things that probably came at the wrong time for Michael Smith and definitely the right time for DVD. So like I mean, it, the double first of all the double the double break. So so quickly getting and it went fast. Those were quick. They they both play very fast and very very quickly three nil down, but three nil down with a double break. And then for the 4-0 was the finish. You know, 4-0, 170, bang, bang, bang. And you know, if you're Michael Smith in that at that point, first of all, you're a double, you're a double breakdown. So you're immediately thinking, I'm gonna have to win an awful lot of legs here. I'm gonna have to win them on the spin to get back in. But then just the you know, sort of scoreboard anxiety of this is where I'm at and I know I need another break, then your opponent hits a 170. You're at that point where you're thinking, "Can I have to do this against a player playing at this level?" And and it, and I just don't think he ever ever got close enough. Um, I guess the pace of both as well just means it can be taken away from you so quickly. Like there's there's not an awful time to a lot of time to not, comprehend what's going him. on and reset yourself. And Smith isn't a player that can play slowly. We saw that against Andrew Gill, and it frustrated him. He's not a player that's going to think, right, I just need to reset here for a couple of legs. I just need to drop it back down, give myself time to find that range and, and try and disrupt Dirk a bit. He's just going to keep going and going and going and hoping that he finds the top of that treble bed before well, and more frequently than Dirk does to get him back in the game. That That's his only response. It's like going long in football. He doesn't have a plan B. Yeah, and what I think happened was his first hold came along, you know, uh, in at the time, like what looking back, when I was watching it, his first hold came at the perfect. Well, well if you're four nil down, like a, a hold, any hold is a perfect time, isn't it? Like anything. Um, but he got that hold going into the break, and I thought, well, that that will do because he's such a fast player and he doesn't give himself time to to sort of process things. I thought, well, that's probably really good because won a leg, go into the break, come out after the break. And looked like Michael Smith again. I thought oh, this is getting really competitive. And then missing missed tops for five all. And and and, and so that, that second session after the first break, Michael Smith played really well and looked like the better player for that window. There was a small that window of five legs. Michael Smith looked like by far the better player. And and he looked for all the world like he was going to level it up and miss tops for five all. And then you know Dirk comes back. 80, uh, 80 required. Text them out six four up, and then again, that's a you know it's another breakaway, and Michael's further away, having missed his favourite double, having had you know the, with Dirk playing the way he was doing. Um, there is another nine shout, like you know we, and this is the closest of the night. Michael Smith was, and he was just inside double twelve. For a nine, um, went different way to everybody else tonight, and 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 managed to get those extra two darts in through towards the nine data. Um, he was very very close, but just beaten by somebody that played better darts than him tonight. You know, I've I've often not been a particular, not to say I'm a particular fan of him, but you know, I have been a bit of a critic of. Of, of Dirk van Dijvenbode uh, for, for loads of different reasons. But tonight, he was the better man and he was the better dart player in that game. Simple Hypothetically, that. if that's five all at the second set, are we talking about a different result tonight? Was that leg that crucial I think, I think, yeah, that, that game completely turned on, on that missed double tops. Yeah, because Michael Smith coming out of the break at five all is, I just think, is a completely different animal, completely different person altogether. Um, uh, and, and I do think, you know, there's a bit of, he, he, it's about the breaks, it's about the times the breaks come, I, I think, tonight, that, that, in that match alone. The first break came at the perfect time because it came after Michael Smith had got his first leg on the board, allowed him a couple of minutes just to reset, refocus, come out, and, and, and then got a built up a bit of a head of steam. The second break came at probably the worst possible time because it came just after him missing 
that tops for five all, then being broken when Dirk came back for the 80. And I think the second break came at the wrong time for him. But going in at five all, you know, if I'd have had my 50 pence to put, I'd, I'd, I'd have backed Smith all day long at that point. Um, it just looked like the tide had turned a bit, but I guess that the difference between five all and six four is you go off at five all, you think you've just absolutely pickpocketed Dirk. Dirk goes yeah, off, yeah. but the reaction we saw from Dirk to go in at six four as well, he knew how big that was, and it just meant that Smith was again constantly chasing. And I think this is why people like James Wade, look, not this season, but why he's such a, a well revered match play player because he can just go in both directions, he can chase constantly and not give up, but his own throw, you never really see him lose it an awful amount of time. It's it's also such a, in terms of the, the draw and the bracket, certainly that side of the draw, it's a huge, huge spanner, you know, well, you know, it's quite an exciting mix-up to have Michael Smith out at this stage, because um, that is wide open now. It is. Just the one non-seed remaining in the entire draw, by the way, which is Nathan Asimov. Right, let's hear from uh, our final winner this evening, uh, Dirk van Dijvenbode, who defeated Michael Smith to set up a quarter-final clash with his World Cup of Darts teammate, Danny Knopper. Yeah, f- frustrated and lucky because she didn't beat a, a, a great Michael Smith. But I'll take the win and uh, got a day off. I need to prepare for the quarters. Need to be ready. Just on what you said there, is it important to you to beat the best version of the player you're playing instead of just the win then? For me, it's more important that I play well than I win. For myself. Because I think if I play well, eventually results will come. I will win the majors. But you won't win them with a 93 average. Tell anyone. I can hit 100 average every game. If a 93, if I hit a 93, I just feel disappointed. Brutally harsh on himself from Dirk there, but I guess that shows that the level that he's aspiring to and, and wants to attain and that people know is possible in this sport. He sounds like another Dutchman, doesn't he? Yeah, I wonder which one he's been hanging around with this. Yeah, time. at this point, he's, he, his, his interview there very much reminded me of another Dutchman. Indeed. Right, let's look ahead to tomorrow evening session and just the two games significantly longer in legs required to get over the line. No chat room, this is your chance to get involved as well. And if you are listening back or watching back, head over to YouTube and drop in the comment section uh, who you think is going to win each of these matches. Uh, We start tomorrow night with, not that one, Peter Wright against Dimitri Vandenberg. Oh, that's tasty. And I'm a little bit surprised this one is going on first, to be honest. Um, this would have been choice for second. I appreciate the Dutch fans and, and the markets and the prime time and whatever for Van Gerwen. But given how these two have played so far, this back storyline that they've met in the last three match plays, uh, the house guest over COVID, etc. Yeah, the, 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 you know, I've not quite taught him everything. The, you know, the, the Jedi Master and the Padawan. The, and there's, there's a big story in there. This, I mean, this just writes itself. And this is why I get so infuriated with um, World Series and, and Premier League and all of the the commercial decisions made. And then you look at draws that are perhaps put in a certain way for the Premier League when players were kept apart because it's a non-ranked event. They can do that, etc. You don't need to go forcing and creating these narratives. They'll do it themselves. This is an incredible yeah. storyline. The fact that they're here to do it again. They met in the final last year. Chance for Dimi to get revenge once more, defending his prize money this time, not just defending the title, which actually probably it's means a, a little bit more. Well. Going back to back in a title, yeah, brilliant. But that just adds more money to your ranking. It, it doesn't defend the massive chunk that's about to fall off. And that's probably more important to Dimitri Vandenberg than picking up the title back to back time. So just the storyline is just fantastic. Peter Wright just seems to be able to flick a switch, turn it on, and become the best player in the world whenever he fancies it. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's one of the only players that the two pace Dimitri won't affect. I don't think Dimi can slow Peter Wright down, I don't think he can speed him up. And I think that's makes this brilliant. The fact they're just gonna have to beat each other. On the dartboard makes this one. I'm just so looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's the you know well being honest this uh, this game in particular 
what was the um was the reason for my last minute decision to to go to Blackpool tomorrow? Like you know, if if, if the semi final lineup had been different, I, I probably would have not travelled. Um, and given the ticket to us, but uh, you know, uh, without a doubt, I, I don't want to miss that one. Um, it's a it's a big match. Um, you're going to press me for a prediction, aren't you? Um, yeah, that is the point of this section. We can sit and chat about our name, but I need a number from you at some point. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 going to be Peter Wright. I'm pretty sure of that. And I have a feeling it's going to be Peter Wright by a bit of a lump. Um, 16... 10... Interesting. I'm going to read some chat room predictions out before I lose them. (laughs) Uh, Just gives me a little bit more thinking time as well. Uh, Jamie's got 16.9 to Dimmy. Uh, Tommy's got 16.13 right. Mr. David P says fence. You can't sit on the fence. That's not how this show works. Tell us what you think is going to win. Adam has got Vandenberg 16.13. Jim's got 16.11 to right. G's has got um, right, 16-14. Masterverse student should be very interesting. I think both averages above 97. Yeah, I'm, I'm even even with that distance, I think both players are going to play exceptionally well. Uh, Daniel says if Wright gets a lead, I think he holds it. I don't disagree with that either. Uh, Rose, interestingly, talking about Wright shouldn't change his darts. He was almost fatal in the last round. Yeah, I agree. I don't think this barrel shape is, is, is optimum, but he's playing well with him, and I don't want him to start tinkering now. Uh, Nico's got right 16-13. Maliki's got Dimitri 16-12. What else do we have? Uh, Blaine says Dimitri's only missed one checkout under 100 this whole tournament. That was the 92 earlier on um, in his round two match. And Aaron's got right 16-14. No, I don't think nobody's gone right as heavy as I have, which makes me feel like I'm either a fool or... Of I'm going to go close. I, I had right 16-11 in my mind. And when you said heavy and then only gave him a six-leg cushion, I was like, hmm, maybe it's not heavy. Um, it is heavy though, is it? And, and seeing as though I've gone heavier than everybody else, I'll go. I'll say that that's heavy because no one else has come. Like, everyone seems to think it's going to be closer than that. But, yeah, I'm still a bit quite comfortable 16-10, even after seeing everybody's um, every everyone else's view. Yeah, I've gone 16-11, but I think it's going in the same direction as you, Dan. Uh, second quarterfinal of the night, uh, Michael Van Gerwen against Nathan Asmol. This one is really intriguing, given the fact that Nathan is already all the way back from his uh, wrist injury. Michael, I'm still not convinced he's 100%. I, I'm not convinced he thinks he's 100% either. And the added distance to this one makes this one interesting yeah see i um like did like 10 second personal what but so he, he he had it was carpal tunnel wasn't it it was the problem he had in his wrist which is boringly the tendon that runs through the middle there so i had an issue for quite some time with the the other you've got one tendon that runs through the middle you've got another tendon that runs on the back of your thumb and i had a massive problem with that for like i ended up i was back and forth in the hospital loads of interventions and issues injections everything and and once that was done, um, it it's so painful. It's so it's just horrible having to deal with it every day. That for so long afterwards, you are just nervous picking things up. You know, I would I remember going to like pick the kids up, and every time like just taking a second chance and taking like you know just thinking, oh, do I can I do this? Can I do this? Will it hurt? Will I will I re-injure myself? Um, and there's there's a there's, again like said, there's two layers to recovery. There's there's physical recovery and the psychological recovery. Um, and it is that worry of re-injuring, re-hurting, re-stressing something out. Um, and it's how quickly you can get over that as well. Um, I think you can still see in him physically as a person and in his game some some nervousness and some not feeling completely comfortable. Yeah. Um, I think that Nathan Aspinall wins that match tomorrow. And I did pick Van Gerwen to win a real pre-tournament. Pre-tournament MVG was my was my pick, but but that all was very much dependent on me seeing this confident, you know, fully physical Michael Van Gerwen that I thought we would, we would potentially see 
so far I've not quite seen it yet. Um, what I think what really was, happened there was Buzz decided that it wasn't going to be him this time, but law of online darts means at least somebody has to back Bangor to win something. And <laughs> yeah. on the side. <laughs> yeah, quite quite right, quite right indeed. Um, so I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna go a bit closer, um, and I'm gonna go sixteen thirteen Aspinall. Uh, but what I will say on my sixteen thirteen is I think Aspinall leads for the majority of the game. Um, I think certainly after the second break, Aspinall's a break up. Um, and, and, and I think Van Gerwen's chasing. That is, is, is my prediction. 16-13 with Van Gerwen chasing. I want to touch on the confidence aspect as well. Nathan Aspinall also had a wrist injury. I'm not sure which part it was. But after seeing a specialist, he was told that whatever he does, the bit that he has an injury with and that he was concerned about, will not snap. It will not do any further damage. It's physically impossible for him to exert enough force, throw in a dart or, or whatever else to do more damage. And the relief, the weight it's lifted yeah. off Nathan Aspinall's shoulder for the last three to five months has been immeasurable. Look at the difference in, in performances and level and confidence in Nathan Aspinall right now since he's been given that piece of information. And I'm like you. I'm not... Van Gogh was average against Adrian Lewis. He looked a lot better... Uh, in the last round, he absolutely blew away um, whoever it was he played now. That's escaped me. Uh, Joe Cullen. He absolutely blew he Joe Cullen away. He physically comfortable, though, did he? No. He I, I noticed on the walk-on, it was left-hand yeah. and then left-hand across. And, and just subtle things like that just make me think he's not quite 100% physically or ready for this game. And over the distance, over the pressure that I think Aspinall is going to put on him, I just think that the Aspinall comes out on top as well. So I'm going to say 16 12 to Nathan Aspinall. You think the pressure and the expectation weighs in it as well? Do you think, like, at the minute, where Aspinall's at in his game, where he's at in the rankings, where, you know, recovering from it, like, do you think he's feeling a huge amount of pressure going into that game? And, and I think MVG probably is. Because he knows the eyes of the world are on him. You know, what's his condition? How is he playing? What's he know? And, and, and he's going into a big tournament and he's expected to get to the final and, and you know, or, 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 or go really deep. Um, you know, I, I think I think it's a bit of a gimme or a bit of a freebie for Aspinall in that that level of pressure isn't isn't on him. He can just go and play his darts, can't he? Yeah. And at the same time, you've got Van Gogh and still the bookie's favourite, or at least he was last time that the outrights were discussed when I was watching or, or had a peek at them, um, which I, I completely think they've got wrong, um, no matter what. That's just protecting against history like we're seeing a lot with with Phil Taylor recently as well on his return. Um, and Nathan Aspinall just absolutely revels in being the underdog. Yeah. And he shouldn't be the underdog in this match right now because he is significantly further along in his recovery from a hand injury, and he's arguably playing a lot better darts, but he's still going to enter that match tomorrow as an underdog. And if he's not, he's going to create that mentality, the way that he created that that New England Patriot mentality that everybody hates us in the first round against Luke Humphreys. Nobody gave me a chance. Everybody said I was going to get battered, blah, blah. I, I don't recall anybody saying Luke Humphreys is going to absolutely batter Nathan Aspinall. I just recall a lot of people picking up yeah. Luke Humphrey's chance to the title since Euro Tours recently. Yeah. That, that wasn't a disrespect at Nathan Aspinall. It no, was just, it was the, just, just how well Luke yeah. Humphreys is playing in comparison to everybody else in the world. And Nathan Aspinall created that siege mentality that everybody hates him. Nobody knew he was even playing. He proved that. I don't, see, I don't think that's what money gets Because what you're going to get tomorrow is, you know, again, and there is a bit, you know, there's a bit of, you know, Cultural, yeah, yes, Michael Van Gerwen always, uh, you know, commands the crowd. You know, we'll have an old Michael Van Gerwen for a, a decent chunk of the night tomorrow. Not in Blackpool, they but, but what you tomorrow night is a northern Englishman in Blackpool against Michael Van Gerwen. And I think you might see a big, big crowd. So, and again, we talked earlier about the three, the three things in the three elements of the crowd against Gezi Price tonight. First of all, he is Gezi Price. Second of all, like Chisnell is the underdog. And third of all, Englishman against a Welshman. You and you hit two of those things in a match tomorrow. You've got an Englishman against a Dutchman, and they'll get behind the Englishman. He's from the north. The game is in Blackpool, and he's the underdog as well. 
So, you know, if if if, if he gets two, three games ahead, the crowd's going to be absolutely up in the air. And we saw him whipping the crowd up against James Wade. He loves like, it. He loves it. Again tomorrow. He... Mr. Brightside gets people going, whether you like it or not, whether it's your most hated song in the world, whether it's your, your favourite song in the world. He's going to go on first. He's going to whip the crowd up. He's going to absolutely love it. MVG will get booed in some sort. The Blackpool crowd yeah. have never really taken to Michael Van Gerwen ever since I think Phil Taylor beat him in that final. They've, they've just never come back to being on Van Gerwen's yeah, side. Really. It's become the thing to do to boo him there. I, I'm not sure I really understand it, but that's it's just really one of those things that happens. Well. He will yeah. ask for it from the crowd. He, you know, he will look at the crowd and he will want it and he will ask for it. And so Rosa just made the exact point that I was about to make as well. A hundred percent right. Like the crowd, that crowd, that won't put off MVG. Like, MVG will not be put off his game by the fact that he's getting booed or people are singing Nathan Aspinall songs. But Nathan Aspinall will take a massive lift by it. Like we've seen that. We saw that in the Premier League when he played in the Premier League. We've seen it. Up, like Nathan Aspinall plays with the crowd behind him, and 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 whether that you know we don't seem to have put off MVG. But that could really give him, uh, Nathan that kick that he needs just to, to lift his game tomorrow. Could indeed. Right, let's go through everybody else's predictions before we wrap up the show. Uh, G's has got it's got to be MVG 16-12. Mr. David 180 has also got MVG by four legs, so that'll be 16-12 as well. Uh, Colin George 16-10 to the Asp. Uh, Adam Hinchliffe followed with 16-10 Aspinall. Uh, Asp 16-7, says Jim. That's a big one. That's the biggest margin we've seen from any prediction so far this evening. Uh, Nico's got 16-11 Van Gerwen. Uh, Jamie's got MVG blows Asp away, 16-8, I think. Asp is one of the few people that actually still over-respects MVG. That's interesting. 16-11 for Malachi. Uh, 16-10 Aspinall for Tommy. Uh, What do we have here? Uh, 16-12. Uh, for Asp says Jack 2022. Uh, 16 8 MVG says Luke. Interesting on that one. And that is the last prediction in the chat room. Um, superb. Thanks for joining me this evening, Dan. A few reminders to everybody. Big thank you to everybody in the chat room for getting involved. You guys have been absolutely awesome once again. Again, if you do fancy heading to Blackpool tomorrow, one last little shout out for our friend Danny. Hit him up yeah. on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter at Dan Simpson 180. If you want to watch match play darts with me tomorrow, we have a seat available sat next to me. So if you want to watch and come along and enjoy tomorrow's two matches, feel free to get in touch on Twitter with me and come along and sit next to me and watch the games. Indeed, and the balcony is just special in Blackpool as well. Um, reminder, the live league is back tomorrow morning from half nine on this channel. There's also an evening session from 10pm tomorrow night. Uh, you will have to make a decision which one of us to watch at that point. But I'm sure you'll come and see me and Cam, I think, at the moment. But that's potentially changing. Well, don't, um, forget, don't forget that you can record the other um, darts, can't you? Or, you know, through yeah. most... Uh, television platforms you'll be able to record that and watch it at your leisure as i do regularly exactly um anything else uh, and if you do want to catch all the interviews in full tonight head over to our youtube channel where they are there waiting for you uh, phil's been at every single winner's post-match press conference throughout the week dan absolute star thank you for joining me this evening and chatting you guys have been superb once again uh, thanks for watching and we'll see you all tomorrow night Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.